Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. time to talk all things dirty birds it's falcons flyover with john chuckery on sports radio 92.9 the game back in the key studios on sports radio 92.9 the game it is john chuckery show live with you on this monday evening 404-741-0929 that is our solomon brothers diamond text line to be a part of the show odyssey app is how you catch us on the go social media is at 929 the game on instagram facebook and twitter and as always, follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. This, of course, and I look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Uh, did you see practice ended early on Saturday? Because there were not one, but two fights that broke out uh, at practice. And Dean Peace talked about the idea of, hey, uh, look, I don't mind guys fighting and all that. He says, one thing I'm not going to do, though, is step in between. He says, I got, got my nose broken and... All that before, uh, he actually said it was a fight that involved Tom Brady when he was uh, with New England. He said, I've learned I just let them go and let them do their thing out there. So good. I mean, listen, that's been the word of training camp is competition, right? That's the number one word we're hearing out of training camp is competition. So with that, things are going to get a little bit chippy. That's why after, you know, a few weeks of this, like by, by next week, it's time to line up against somebody with a different colored hat on and go, you know, knocked their dung in the dirt, you know, to use a Bobachism, you know. Time to line up against somebody with a different colored hat and go knock their dung in the dirt. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with all that. But that was kind of cool on Saturday to hear about that. Jeff Schultz had this to say on Twitter about the Deion Jones situation. The Falcons have failed in attempts to trade. Sorry, let me start over. The Falcons have failed in attempts to this point to trade linebacker Deion Jones, but have decided not to cut him, a source said believing he won't be a distraction to the team and salary cap savings are minimal. The team continues to monitor Jones' attitude in rehab from shoulder surgery. Okay, I talked about this the other day. This is what I believe. Okay, I'm going to tell you my insight about it. I think they're going to end up trading him at the end of the day. I think that they are expecting right now more than what he is worth on the trade market. I know how good he's been but teams look at him as a player in decline. What, you're not going to like the, the compensation package to get back, like a fifth or sixth round pick or something like that for Jones. You're going to get nothing back for him, but I do think they are going to trade him. As far as the cutting him thing goes, I do agree that the Falcons don't want to cut him, but I think it's for other reasons. Look, the dead money is the dead money at this point, right? You can't sell me on we're going to eat all this dead money this year and then free everything up next year and tell me now all of a sudden we're worried about dead money or whatever, okay? that I'm not buying that. You can't sell me all offseason long on it's no big deal to have this dead money and we're going to get rid of all of it in one year and move on. So you can't tell me all that. I really think that the reason the Falcons are not cutting Deion Jones is A is they don't want to cut him with no compensation back and B, take the PR hit. Because with all due respect, it would not be a good look to cut Deion Jones and get nothing back for him. 
a guy who's been one of the cornerstones of this franchise since the Super Bowl. He's one of your last remaining players from that Super Bowl team. There are very few guys that are left. If he leaves, it's down to what? Grady and Jake is the last two guys from the Super Bowl team. And he was a foundational piece that they built this franchise around from the Super Bowl forward. I don't think you you just cut a guy like that and get nothing back for him. Even if you got back a fifth or sixth round draft pick, that's something more than you had. I don't think it's a matter of that they they're, they don't think he's going to be – I don't think Deion Jones is going to be a distraction. When has Deion Jones ever been a distraction? I don't think it's anything like that. I think from a football perspective, he doesn't fit what they want to do. That's why they drafted Troy Anderson. That's why they brought Rashawn Evans in. That's why they have Michael Walker. They want bigger, more physical guys on the front of their linebacking core and the inside of their linebacking core. And I don't think he fits that. So I don't think they're gonna. I don't think it's a matter of they're afraid to cut him because of, you know, they're thinking that the salary cap. They don't. What difference does the salary cap make now? You have money to spend. You don't care about dead money. You already have the highest dead money in the history of the league. And and all the fans are bragging about. Oh, we're gonna have a hundred million dollars next year. So. That's not a good thing. That puts you down in the bottom tier of organizations as to why you have $100 million available. That means you don't draft well. That means you don't build a roster very well. That's not a good thing. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. I don't think they, A, want to just cut them and not get anything back in return and take the PR hit of why did you cut him and not get anything back? You mean to tell me that we couldn't keep him on the roster and find something for him, even if he didn't start. Certainly, you rotate linebackers in and out. He couldn't be a linebacker that was in the rotation. So I think there are more reasons than just, you know, the salary cap or distraction. I don't. I'm not buying any of that. And again, this is coming from the blue checkmark media. So take everything like I say with a with a grain of salt, right? About what what you read on some of these things. All right, let's get to some audio here. Here's uh, Arthur talking about how this week is going to be a proving ground. You, know, you got guys like Dean who's been coaching for 100 years and, and guys, we got, a, we got an experienced staff. And then I was thankful to work for Joe Gibbs. So I've seen, you know, how he ran an old training camp. The rules are what they are. That's all relative and we try to be smart, but we try to be intentional and trying to build these guys up. But uh, you want to see really day after day. I think this week's a good proving ground. It's a long week for these guys. And, and uh, I think we'll have a pretty good idea about people by the end of the week. Yeah, I agree. Listen, I mean, we're, we're moving along in camp. Competition is going to get ramped up and amped up. I don't think we're going to have any kind of clear picture, though, until we start to get into guys playing against other guys, whether that's preseason, practices, whatever. I know they put pads on today, but you still are not going to learn a whole lot until they start to line up against other guys. All right, here's Arthur talking about wanting to decide on the starting O-line as soon as possible, but they got to get guys ready for the rotation. So you'd rather sooner than later you would to have chemistry, but you're going to have to deal with injuries and guys that can go in there and a pinch and play a spot where there's a swing tackle or a guard has to go in there and play center or vice versa. Uh, you'd rather it sooner or later, but we'll let it play out when we feel it's necessary to make that decision. Well, I do believe that the right tackle spot is the number one place that they have to get things figured out. To me, that's the first domino that has to fall is what's going to happen at right tackle. Who's going to take over that spot? Is it Caleb McGarry? is going to stay there, or is a Fetty going to win that battle? I don't know really who it is. I, I really don't. But they do need to make a move, though, and, and start f- 
figuring what they're going to do with this thing. So we'll see what happens. But I agree that you want to get your offensive line, with all due respect, figured out sooner rather than later. You don't want to go into the final week of the of the preseason and still not have any idea what your offensive, offensive line is going to be. All right, here's uh, Arthur Smith talking about how happy he is with Rashawn Evans. Yeah, uh, very pleased with him so far. Uh, obviously a guy we were familiar with. Um, I think, you know, he, he sees the opportunity. He's here on a one-year contract. Uh, guys has some success, and, you know, he, he was available, and he's here to, to prove that, uh, he, you know, the flashes he had in Tennessee. So I'm excited about Rashawn and hopefully continues to, to improve. Well, look, uh, Dean P said he didn't understand why the Titans had moved on from him. I don't know either. Don't really care. I'm glad he's here. Let's see what he can do. And I do think he's going to be one of the starting inside linebackers. I'm going to be more amazed if he's not one of your starters on the inside than uh, if he isn't. So, um, or if he is, I should say. Uh, here's Arthur Smith talking about uh, Demir Bird and the rest of the receivers competing. Yeah, uh, he's coming out here. There's a, there's a group of guys at receiver rooms. Uh, a lot of good competition going. Uh, guys that we signed that, that are in here that are in great shape. Hodge, Demir, Alden, Cam Batson. Uh, Darby, those guys are all in there in the mix competing, but uh, Bird showed up, showed up again today. Can I tell you, um, a lot of those guys are 15 catch wide receivers in the NFL. I want to know about Edwards, Tate, London. That's the guys I'm most interested in. G- keep me updated on all of those. With all due respect to Demir Bird and whatever, Olamide Zacchaeus, those are 20 catch wide receivers in the league. Okay, There's 1,000 guys in the league right now that can do what those guys can do. All right, let's hear from Troy Anderson. Here's him talking about learning more and more on the scheme each day. I mean, I think it's going well. I think everybody's working really hard. The coaches are making it, you know, piece by piece, kind of install by install, just taking it, um, just learning and uh, trying to get your details down and watch as much film and learn as much as possible each day. He's going to be one of the interesting guys to watch too because could he start as an inside linebacker? Potentially. I don't think he's going to start right away. I think he'll be in the rotation, but I don't think he's going to be one of their starters right away. Here's Anderson talking about how the veterans have helped him out a ton so far. Oh, they've been they've been phenomenal. I mean, they're just so so welcoming and helping answer any questions, give you tips. Um, obviously, we're in meetings with them all day, and so you know you get to know them. And um, yeah, I mean, everybody's here to win, and I think that's what it comes down to. And yeah, they've been they've been great. Yeah, look. Um, a lot of upside to Troy Anderson. Um, obviously, they picked him very high. You know, second round of draft pick. A lot of expectation. There are probably going to be some folks going to be aggravated if he doesn't start. I'm not going to be one of those. But I think he'll definitely get worked into the mix. We'll see. I think they have a lot of guys to, to kind of shuffle through right now as far as, you know, how many inside linebackers they have. Here's Anderson talking about working to get more comfortable with the calls, and he's ready to slow the game down. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely fast, especially when you're learning the calls and trying to get settled in. Um, once you feel more comfortable and kind of let calls sink in, you can play more free and faster. And I think that that's kind of what everybody's at at this point is is trying to get to that that stage. It's what all players talk about: slowing the game down, right? And that what they say about quarterbacks. The thing with quarterbacks is they always look at slowing the game down, seeing things before they happen. Let's uh, hear from Jake Matthews talking about there's a competitive spirit at practice and it's improving them. Yeah, there's been a big emphasis on competition this year. And, um, you know, we we were talking about that as an offensive line, how 
you know, a lot of these spots are, there's a competition going on for them. So, you know, that's been fun. It makes you better. I mean, as much as you'd love to come out here and everything be easy, that, that's not what's going to get you ready to go for the season. So, um, it's been good for us coming out here and working hard, and we're getting great looks from the defense, and it's getting us ready. I, I definitely can tell. Well, Jake's got his spot nailed down. He doesn't have to worry about competition for his spot. So, you know, look, Jake and Chris Lindstrom, you know, that's Hugh's buddy, right, Lindstrom, um, you know, just Mr. Average, just another guy on the offensive line. Um, those spots are not up for grabs. Everybody else is. The other 60% of the offensive line is, but not left tackle and not right guard. Here's uh, Jake Matthews, happy with how the O-line is building toward the season. Like I said, we can't just roll out there and expect it to happen. We, we've got to put the work in and, and, you know, get that feel for it now. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any question we're building that way. And it's looked good so far. And, you know, there's still plenty of room for improvement. But I, I'm very happy with what we've done so far. I would even tell you that with the competition and things like that, I'm not sure if they have everything solved. Because with all due respect to McGarry and Effetti, with all due respect to Lindstrom and Wilkinson, you know, or not Lindstrom, um, Mayfield and Wilkinson, I don't know what you solve. I mean, Dolman and Hennessy, again, until I see those guys line up in the regular season, I question, you know, how much better they're going to be. All right, let's head over to a Marcus Mariota, um, talking about how it requires more than just talent to be successful. I think if you look across the league, everyone's very talented. I think, you know, Game in and game out, there's going to be guys on the other side of the ball that you're like, he's a great player, um, this and that. And I think we have those type of players here. But what it comes down to is, you know, talent can only take you so far. When you have a group of guys that are willing to sacrifice and go out there and put in the work, that's when your team gets better and, you know, you start getting guys that really believe in what you're doing. So um, it's fun. It's fun to be around. I think we got a young group of guys that really just enjoy being around each other, enjoy coming out and competing. Um, and that's half the battle, man. If you can get that out of your young cats, um, I think you're going to do pretty good and do some good things. Yeah, I will say, though, talent is always the number one thing. Let me start with talent first, and I'll figure some other things out. All right, quickly, Marcus Mariota on how a bad team culture can lead to bad results. Unfortunately, with how the NFL is, like we talked about a little earlier, it is a merit-based business, and you're paid accordingly. So, you know, guys, sometimes, you know, we'll think selfishly and we'll focus on what is – you know, their motives. Um, and it makes it tough, you know, if, if a guy's not going to be willing to sacrifice, you know, maybe not to get an extra yard on that third down because he's worried about getting hurt or, you know, something along the lines of that. You know, it is tough because, you know, you're sitting there, you're kind of climbing an uphill battle. Um, but what's fun about this team is it is young and some of those guys don't necessarily understand that part of it yet. Um, so you can kind of help mold them a little bit. and and. and try to help them understand that if you just come out here and compete and if we win games, you know, everyone else around you will, will get what they want. You don't get distracted by the white noise around you, right? I mean, you don't let people dictate what you're going to be and not be, right? If you, if you want to be a two-win team, it's not hard in the league. You can be a two-win team. I don't think this team wants to be that. I don't think that's where they're going to end up. So I agree. Don't let, don't let the culture around you, don't let the white noise around you dictate who you are. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to AEW superstar Jade Cargill, the uh, TBS women's champion, her thoughts and uh, her time thus far in AEW. It's all next. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Right Now to the Game, the Odyssey.com app.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Monday evening with you as we get ready for, again, another episode of AEW Dynamite coming up this Wednesday. Actually live from Columbus, Ohio this week. And, of course, check out Rampage on Friday nights. We've had such a great relationship with the folks over at AEW. We head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. We talk to AEW superstar. She, of course, is the TBS Women's champion Jade Cargill joining us here. And uh, Jade, thank you so much for spending a few minutes in Atlanta with us this evening. No problem. Thank you for having me, John. So, look, you were an outstanding athlete in high school and in college. How did wrestling come about? How did you get involved in, in the sport of wrestling? You know, I believe that wrestling found me. It's something that if you would have told me five years ago, hey, you're going to be a professional wrestler, I probably would have started laughing laughing very hard um but mark henry actually found me we have a mutual friend and then the story just goes out from there it lit a fire under my butt and it's fun it's it's incredibly fun where else can you go curse people out and it's you know it's it's work (laughs) (laughs) i understand now you do have some atlanta connections you trained uh at the face-to-face wrestling school with my guy Richard I've done a lot of stuff with those folks uh, over the years tell me a little bit about that experience going and actually training I mean tell me a little bit about getting hooked up with face-to-face wrestling yes so actually Mark Henry was the one who told me to go to this gym with Ted um, Teddy as well he's there Um, it was a great experience they didn't want to give me too much they just wanted to run spots and um, give me a move set because they knew wherever I was going that obviously they would transform me into into whatever habit that they have going on. So they never gave me too much at face-to-face with Richard and um, Teddy Long. So it was just the foundation of what was going to come next. It was a great experience. I met some amazing people that if I had not went there first, I would have never gained a more insight and more appreciation for where I began at AEW. Yeah, it's pretty funny because you've come out of there. Sean Dean is a guy who did some shows uh, with them. It is pretty cool, the connection that they've had. So, um, I mean, to your point, you know, it is interesting. I always love asking wrestlers this question. So those first few times taking flat back bumps, running the ropes, (laughs) I know you were a great athlete, but, you know, taking those bumps is a little bit different than probably anything Mm -hmm. you've ever done, right? Yes, um, there's nothing that can get you prepared for it. You just got to take it. Um, and it's something that your body has to get acclimated to. Uh, hitting the ropes, I was very 
um, naive. And I thought, you know, this is, this is easy. Like this is springy ropes. This is a trampoline. And it's not a trampoline at all. The ropes are made of cable and tubes. The ground is made out of floorboards and a thin mat. So it's nothing that I woke, like I said, the first time I ever went to try out, I woke up the next morning and covered in bruises. I hate ice baths. And I was begging for an ice bath after the first day. Jade Cargill, AEW TBS Women's Champion, joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. It, it is funny because I, I've talked to folks that have been athletes in all different walks of life. And, you know, you never really get used to the idea of, of dropping on your back. And when you talk to people that were amateur wrestlers, you know, they were always taught to never go on your back. So it, it is a culture shock, isn't it? Did you kind of build up some calluses, you know, after <laughs> getting through it? Or, I mean, do you still, you know, did it still kind of feel after, you know, some time there that, you know, hey, listen, this 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 isn't this isn't what some people think that it is. It's not what anybody would think it is. This stuff hurts. It's real. <laughs> it, it's real. You can't you can't stop gravity. You're taking a jump from the top turnbuckle. You can't stop gravity. I don't care where you land, how gracefully you try to land, you're going to land, and it's going to hurt. Um, but it was all an experience, something that I appreciate and something that, I mean, I'm the one giving the bumps here. I give people bumps. So I have to obviously take bumps myself in the ring and just get used to taking those flat back bumps. It never gets easy. Your body just gets acclimated, but you go about two weeks without taking a bump, then you're going to feel that bump the next time you go in that ring. Um, it's just something that you have to keep up and um, keep at it. Jade, women's wrestling in general is at such a great place right now, and you have so many star performers across all promotions. Tell me a little bit about how much better the women's much division within AEW has gotten over these last couple of years since you've been there. So we're a three-year-old company. I believe it's growing. I believe that people are listening to what we would like, and I think fans are coming along and starting to understand the progression. We have, I mean, a rock star roster. It's just a means of putting the pieces together and molding it and, and taking off from there. Um, we get one match a show, so we're fighting for a position that can be tough. Um, but when we go out there, we try our best to perform and um, show why we should be on TV. And like I said, we got a rock star roster, and it's going to continue to get better. So it's our third year. We're experimenting here and there, and we're putting all the parts together. AEW TBS Women's Champion Jade Cargill joining us here in the WaitFor.com hotline. Don't forget, AEW Dynamite coming up this Wednesday live uh, from Columbus, Ohio, and, of course, Cast Rampage on Friday nights as well. So when are we going to see you in the – you got the TBS Women's Champion – when do we start to yeah. see you in the mix for the AEW Women's Championship? I don't know. I don't know, Don. I'm hope. Uh, see, I want to take my time. I want to <laughs> take my time. I respect women's wrestling, so I don't want to just go up there and just take it all right away. You know, I want to. I want a challenge to be presented presented in front of me that makes it well worth it. And I mean, at the end of it, I cry. You know, so. I don't want to take anything prematurely. I want to work for this. I want to grind, and I want a real threat. I can go up there and take it right now if I wanted to. That's not something I want to do. I want it to be a challenge. I want it to be something where it's a rock and a hard place. Yeah, so you, you want to be fair, give me right? Time. Yeah, you, you, you'll be there. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I don't want to just take it. Then right. that makes the women's division look, you know, a certain type of way. So 
let me get my feet wet. Let me at least get waist deep, and I'll be going for that belt. How much more comfortable have you gotten when it comes to cutting promos? That's such a big part of of getting you know your personality and everything over to an audience. How much more comfortable have you gotten with the idea of cutting promos? So being that my first time ever cutting a promo, I didn't practice. I just went on stage and I did it, and this was national TV. Um, I've gotten way more comfortable being that I can put myself into my character, and my character is just an extension of myself. So I just can say the most outlandish stuff because I'm portraying something to an audience. I've gotten way more comfortable. I was working with Mark Sterling, and at the time um, when I was working with Mark Sterling, you know, he, the way he would focus and cut promos, I mean, the man was, I'd never seen somebody just so focused on their craft. So I started watching him and watched how he was cutting his promos and how he would direct it and what he needed to get across and when he would put this and insert this into it. Because we don't have coaches. We just do what we have to do. They give us pinpoints that we have to hit, but we have to, we do this all off our own muscles. So I've gotten way more comfortable because, one, I know I'm going to be on TV. I might as well get used to it, and I might as well get as comfortable, buckle up and get as comfortable as possible. But, you know, I'm growing. I took, um, I took promo classes in college, and that's about it. So what you see is nothing but raw material. I, I've gotten way more comfortable. To be totally honest, I am way better live. I can cut a promo live because I know I cannot do this over. Um, so I've gotten way comfortable. I love promos. Now that's the easy part. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that folks love about AEW is that it doesn't have that scripted kind of feel. You guys and gals, you get a chance to just kind of speak from the hip. I mean, you know, within certain, I'm sure bullet points and boundaries and things like that. But still though, I think that's the thing is that look, all the greatest promos in the history of wrestling were not scripted promos. They were people speaking, you know, from the heart or off the cuff or what have yeah. you. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that, that we love about the show is just do you feel that sense of freedom and comfort to be able to express yourself and, and be the character that you want to be because of all that? Yes. I mean, obviously, um, this is going into my second year, so I don't have all the answers. You know, I need guidance. I would probably be bringing reality TV to wrestling, you know, <laughs> if I was going off the hinges. I, I'm, I'm not knowledgeable in the sense. But – for example, a great example was Ricky Starks. He cut a, an amazing promo last Dynamite. And all of, all of that came from the heart, literally came from the heart. Great promo, just being himself, got what he needed to get over and got himself over, got his opponent over, got everything he wanted to say out. You know, and this is a man that's been working his butt off for years. But he was able to speak his heart and say what he needed to say in that moment. And there was no script. And of course, there was bullet like a guy that he had to follow as far as to get what he needed to get, but that was all him. And me seeing that just shows the power and the the control we have to say what we need to say and get our character across so fans understand what we're feeling in that moment. And I appreciate that. Jade, last thing for you. I know you've said before China was an inspiration for you as far as you know bringing yourself into wrestling and things like that. And some people have made that comparison about. Goldberg just because of your winning streak and things like that have you kind of embraced the idea of being you know a China Goldberg type of personality and character and just things that they represent are you kind of seeing yourself as AEW's version of them so I love what these two phenomenal phenomenal people represent strength beauty 
posture, dominance, just running through people with assertive, like, I love what they represent. I'm my own person, however. I can take the, these attributes from these amazing wrestlers, but I'm myself. I'm Jay Cargill. I have um, a different path than both of these phenomenal people. Um, I'm continuing, continuing to grow. I'm continuing to get better. Um, but, I mean, China was a force to reckon with. Again, she's a role model. Um, I don't think she gets as much appreciation as she should. I believe she should get way more flowers than what she has right now. Um, but this is just an extension of her legacy, you know, that has been passed down. And that's what I want to do. I want to have, I want to be the steps for a young girl who see me on TV and she's like, Hey, she made me appreciate my body or she showed me strength and power. I want to be that, you know, and grace. I want to be that. I want to be that confident woman. And that's what I've seen China as. And I just built on it from what I've created here at AEW. Well, and she, well, she is the AEW TBS Women's Champion. You can check her out on Dynamite on Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock, and, of course, Friday night on Rampage as well as part of AEW Wrestling. Jade Cargill joined us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Jade, really appreciate spending a few minutes uh, in Atlanta. Great story. Continued success uh, to you. Uh, I want to see you get in the mix for the AEW Women's Championship, but that's just me. That's just me speaking <laughs> off the cuff. So uh, good luck to you, and uh, look forward to talking with you again. Thank you for having me. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio Night to the Game and the Odyssey.com app. All the sports, music, news, and podcasts that you want are all for free on the Odyssey app. Download it today. And also, too, dive into the history and culture of baseball's unofficial rulebook with Unwritten. It's a new podcast hosted by former players Ron Darling and Jimmy Rollins. This week, How to Treat Rookies with Albert Pujols going to be released on Wednesday. Check out uh, Unwritten free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Chuck Reed back here in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 929 the game, 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech sign to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 910 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Don't forget if you missed our interview, I had a couple folks reaching out on the text line and on my Twitter page about um about being able to listen to the Jane Cargill interview. If you can't listen live, go on the Odyssey app. You can rewind and Hear it. All the, uh, all the content is on there. Or go to 929thegame.com, and uh, we have all the content posted there as well. So check us out on either platform. So all of our interviews and everything are always up online. So we'll uh, <clears throat> get to the top of the hour, and I wanna, we're going to take uh, the Terry Fontenot interview that Andy and Randy had earlier today and do it how we do it where we break this thing up into clips, and I respond to them. I did hear a little bit of it, but I didn't hear all of it, so – um, this will be some of the first time I hear some of these clips. So we'll uh, we'll play the clips from that interview, and then I'll react and respond to what the general manager had to say. As uh, Falcons training camp rolls right along, if you hadn't had a chance to get up there, a um, lot of fun. I mean, it's a little different environment up there. I, I will say it's maybe not quite as busy as it was in years past. I'm, I'm sure this weekend um, I wasn't up there on Saturday, but last Friday for a first day, it was a little bit lighter than 
what I might have expected, but I understand what the state of the team is and still trying to figure some things out. But still, um, look, it's going to be, you know, it's another NFL season. Always an exciting deal when you get the NFL underway. There's nothing quite like it, right, from just all the glitz and glamour of what the NFL is and the fantasy and all the different nights that NFL gives you football, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's it's always, you know, it's not fun if you're 2-15, and But I don't think the Falcons are going to be that at the end of the day. I, I hope I hope and think that they're going to be better than than that. Maybe not tremendously much better, but certainly better than than two and fifteen. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to get up to training camp, get on up there. Of course, we're going to be out there tomorrow, Wednesday, Friday. Don't forget Thursday's an off day, so don't go up Thursday. So uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, Freaky and Hugh, along with Andy and Randy, and then Dukes and Bell, of course, are at Hooters up uh, by the Mall of Georgia in Buford, and then. Friday, don't forget, we add in Steak and Sandra. In fact, their show starts on Thursday of this week on the off day. So, again, your new lineup is going to be 5 to 9 is going to be Freaky and Hugh. And then from 9 to 11 is going to be Steak and Sandra. And then from 11 to, is it 11 to 2? Yes, 11 to 2 will be uh, Andy and Randy. So that's going to be the new lineup starting on Thursday. So changing some things around as we slide Steak and Sandra in. And they will be up at Flowery Branch on Friday if you want a chance to to meet them, um, check them out from nine to eleven. I've never met Steak before. Can you believe that? In a decade of radio, I've not met Steak uh, Shapiro. Um, we follow each other on social media and everything, um, but just have never actually met uh, Steak. I met I, him one time just to go get him and bring him upstairs. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that was <All> right. it. <laughs> I know lots of stories about him working with Mike Bell and AJ Cannon and yeah. people like that that have worked for and John Michaels and you know mm-hmm. people that have worked at. At 790 over the years, I've heard all the stories and everything. So, um, so I, I'm 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 headed up there. I think on Friday. I think I'm going to go back up to camp on Friday. So we'll probably pop over and just introduce myself to them. Um, Steak will probably ask me to wash his car or something like that. So, <laughs> um, so Sandra will be nice and accommodating, but Steak will probably ask me to get him a barbecue beef sandwich or something like that. So anyway. Or some tacos or whatever they got going on up there for the. By the way, the concessions are super cheap up there. Yeah, they like, are. They, they were like, uh, what were they like a dollar tacos yeah, every day or something yeah, up there? Yeah, yeah, it's really cheap up yeah. there. Yeah, so I mean, it's like dollar drinks and stuff like that, dollar tacos or burgers or hot dogs or whatever they got going on. So cheap concessions. You got to get them though at a certain like. I don't think they'd last. I, I think they're done by. Yeah, it's relatively quick because practice yeah. is over, you know. Relatively yeah, it's only like quick. a 90-minute yeah, practice. So. so most of the time they're starting at 930 and over by 11 or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, on yeah. weekends, I think they start at 10 and are done by like 1130. Mm-hmm. So, um, and don't forget the 15th. Is it the 15th? To, uh, for Mercedes? Yes. Uh, is that that Monday? Yes. Whatever the Monday? Yeah, the 15th, yep. I guess I'm. Am I broadcasting there? I still don't know the details. Yeah, they about haven't all that. really given us any information. Yeah, I still don't. I still don't know. <laughs> I the mean, details you'll about be that. there. I'll be here. Well, well, I know that, but I, but I, I've heard that I'm broadcasting there, but I've not, I, I have not had confirmation one way or the other for all of that. So I guess well, because <laughs> that starts at six thirty on that Monday at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Right. That's their open practice. I don't know if they still do the military appreciation day thing with with that. That used to be what Dan always did was the military appreciation day. That was that practice at Mercedes Benz, but. Either way, Monday the 15th, um, you have to get tickets for that because it's $5 to get in. But if you've never been to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I always tell people this. If you've never been to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that's a great time to go. For 5 bucks, you can go in, see everything, be a part of everything, walk around, check out the environment if you've never been there. Yeah. I'm sure they will try to have the roof open as well. Yep. So that's very cool when the roof is open. Yeah, it's so, a great, play- great venue. Oh, absolutely. Great venue. Yeah, absolutely. And we usually are over there by... 
We, we were trying to fit. What is that called? Uh, Hattie B's, Molly B's, yeah, the Cardi B's resta- restaurant right yeah, there. We're, yeah, we're, we're over there by Cardi B's uh, in that open area. So we're kind of like between where our guys at Fox Brothers and all that are, and yep. then what is it called? Cardi B's. It's, or, I think it is Hattie B's. I think it's Molly B's, isn't it? <laughs> Molly B's or Hattie B's or Cardi B's or. Or whatever, uh. BGs or whatever they got going on over there. It's a great, I mean, they, that's a great restaurant, by the way, but we're usually right in that kind of open area over there. So um, we'll be there on the 15th broadcast and live. So there you go. Get your, get your, and by the way, you do have to get, they're free and complimentary, but you do have to get tickets at atlantafalcons.com to get to training camp. Uh, you have to download your tickets or whatever like that. They're not, yeah. they don't cost you anything, they're free. It's just that you have to go online and get the tickets there. In so, order, yeah, so so that you can get on the ground. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. So, and it's changed around a little bit out there, but uh, anyway, fun time. And um, I think I'm gonna plan to try to get out there on Friday myself. All right. Speaking of uh, getting out, let's get to something we get uh, to call "What's Bugging Chuckery." Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. I saw this tweet from NBA Memes, at NBA Memes, the other day. They said, this is a crazy stat. LeBron really gets paid more than the entirety of the WNBA. And they have a picture of a WNBA player and a picture of LeBron. The WNBA player says $12 million, the entire WNBA salary last year alone. And then it has a picture of LeBron James with $37 million LeBron James salary last year alone. Okay, can I tell you that that is the most misleading tweet of all time? Not that there is anything factually incorrect about it, but what does Eric Bischoff always say? Context is king. You have to put things in the context of what they are. Day-Day, ask me how much revenue the WNBA pulled in in 2021. How much revenue did they pull in? $84 million. Okay? Yep. Ask me how much... Well, no, I take that back. I'm sorry. In 2022, they pulled in $84 million. That's this past That's season. That's this past okay. season. Yes. Okay. Okay. Ask me how much the NBA pulled in for the 2022 season. How much? Over $10 billion. Gee. Okay, so let's make sure we understand here, okay? You have $84 million, which is a nice number, and then you have over $10 billion. You got to understand and put it into its context. Because I saw some people say, oh, well, this is ridiculous and women's rights and all that. has nothing to do with that. It has what the financial uh, viability of the leagues are. Think about it. The entirety of the WNBA league pulls in just uh, just a little bit over twice what LeBron's salary is. That's not a knock against the WNBA, but you have to put it in the context of what they are. You know, $84 million is a nice number. But in relative speaking, compared to $10 billion, and again, I understand this is why uh, Brittany Griner has to go to Russia and play. It's because I think the highest paid player, I believe, was somewhere in the $220,000 range. You know, most salaries are in the sixty dollars to $80,000 range. But if you want to play in the WNBA, that's what it is. That's why those girls go over to China 
in Russia. That's why they go over there is because they can make a lot more money. That has nothing to do with being fair or unfair. It's all about economics. And I think that's the thing that people have to always keep in perspective when you talk about these things. Nobody's dissing what the WNBA is or represents or anything like that. But put $84 million in one hand and put over $10 billion in the other hand. You want to know why LeBron gets $37 million? Because $10 billion is, I don't know, what do you think, a cat hair whisker above $84 million? Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. It, that's what it's all about. Are you bringing in revenue, right? I got news for you. As an employee of a company, that's also how you're evaluated and graded on. A position is worth what it can bring in as far as revenue or its meaning to the company, right? If, if, you're, if you're a salesperson, you know, what you bring in is what you're going to make and what's your value, what's your baseline value, how much, what should be your ceiling and things like that. That's why it's done in all business. So when you have a league that brings in $84 million, the players, you know, in this case, the players are getting whatever X percentage of that is in salary. Because remember, $84 million is the revenue that they're bringing in. That, that's, not, that's, not after, that's not profit. That's total revenue. That means then you have to figure the rent of buildings, facilities, practices, payroll, right, equipment, everything that goes into running a professional sports team. The total revenue brought in, not their profit margin. Their profit margin was an eighty-four million. Their entire revenue stream that they brought in was eighty-four million, in compared to the ten billion that the NBA, that the NBA makes. There's a reason why there's that big disparity. But you know the funny thing is on social media when you read through some of the comments about this is unfair to women and this and the other it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. If the WNBA brought in ten billion. Their players association would negotiate a contract to where their highest paid people were making millions of dollars. But as it is, it's not it's not financial. Again, how are you going to pay a, a, an NBA, a WNBA player $10 million and the entire league only pulls in 84? And that's how many any how many teams are in the WNBA day day, do you know? I think it's 16. Is it 16? I think it's 16. Okay. So that's what not even six million per club, four million per club, or something like that. I'm mean, now a little bit more than that. Yeah, six, six over six million. Six million would be seventy-six. So like seven million or somewhere around that range. Okay, twelve. Okay, twelve. Uh, 12, twelve million. No, okay. twelve teams. Twelve teams. Twelve teams? Sorry, okay. Yeah. So, all right. So that's that's an easy number. That's seven yeah. million per club. Yeah. So they're getting seven million. Okay. How can you pay so many millions of dollars if the entire club is only getting seven million a year for all of it? That's all. It's simple economics. So. Again, I know people get offended and they see those numbers that are put out, you know, oh, well, this is this has always been an issue in this, that, and the other. Yeah, because the league doesn't pull in the number, the, the type of revenue that the NBA and the WNBA as far as revenue goes. And don't forget, there is NBA revenue that goes to help the WNBA too. It's it's not like the WNBA doesn't get money from the NBA, okay? But relatively speaking, you know why LeBron makes the kind of money? Because he's a global national phenomenon. He's a phenomenon in the United States and the world. And the NBA is a worldwide global brand. 
maybe in some places that we like, don't like and don't want them to be a global brand in, but they're all about the almighty dollar. And if you make $10 billion in revenue for, you know, for teams across the league and stuff like that, because of TV and global partners and things like that, guys want their portion of it, right? That's why they negotiate in the collective bargaining agreement. No different than the WNBA does with its players. You negotiate in the collective bargaining agreement for that very reason. So, again, I understand outrage and, you know, all this kind of stuff and, you know, holding down women and this all this kind of stuff has nothing to do with that. And I understand why they have to go play. I don't like it. I don't like the fact they have to go to China and Russia, of all places, to go play. That's why you better be on your best behavior when you go to those places. But the reason for all of that is very simple. It's who brings in the scratch hole, who brings in the cash, the bread, the dough, me at the end of the day, and that's what the NBA is. It's a cash cow. All right, we get back from the top of the hour. We will hear from Terry Fontenot, the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, as he spoke with Andy and Randy today. We will break that down into audio clips. Chuck Reed in the Key Studios, Sports Right Now for the Game and the Odyssey.com app. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.